0: Welcome to Living All In, Rethinking Vitality. I am your host, Daniela Land. This podcast, the idea for it, has kind of been lingering within me um, and has been a little bit of a perspective shift that I've been making myself. I had an experience where I was talking with with a, a woman that's actually a counselor and she was talking about how if she can just get someone to have a smile on their face when they leave for the day and that it means that she did her job and she feels like she contributed positively to the world. And then she went on to say that she even has clients that'll stay 15 minutes late um, and will just keep kind of talking to her about their problems, but she'll let them do it because she feels that they just need the space and then hopefully they'll leave and have a smile and put a smile on someone else's face. Now, there it starts to sound a little wobbly and in talking with her further about it she hasn't really been able to have healthy boundaries and she's also deriving her sense of worth from her ability to change someone else from her ability to get them to smile and it really starts to wobble there but, I, but at the same time I feel like a lot of people coming from very heartfelt, loving places um, start to get this weird idea with help. How can we stay in that giving spirit but have healthy boundaries? How can we stay in that giving spirit and yet not define ourselves as a good person because of the action? How can we recognize the challenge yet stand in the place of the solution? And from that place, assist another. How can we do that? Where do we find that balance? So that's the inspiration for this podcast. And my intention is really to find a way of perceiving that we can engage in the act of helping. But from a place that we can maintain our own inner connection and firmly rooted in a mindset that can call Fourth, the solution. So today I invite you to reconsider what it means to help. What does it mean to help? What's the essence of the phrase? Well, the synonyms would be to nourish, to assist, to provide support. And most people would agree that the antonyms would be to hurt, to harm, because that's the opposite of helping. All of these are valid answers, but as we expand our understanding of this word, a new synonym and a new antonym emerge. What's the antonym? Ownership. Owning the results, owning the process. Ownership is largely one-sided. And on the flip side of that, the synonym, co-creation. This synonym transforms and enhances the entire dynamic between both the person offering the help and the one receiving it. Co-creation is mutual, we're shared, and it keeps our minds focused on the solutions. It also provides a foundation for a more sustainable engagement. After all, co-creation tends to be more deep-seated than transactional, and it tends to go beyond just donating. Now, this isn't to undermine donating time or money by any means. Uh, There certainly is value and need there. However, co-creation goes a little bit further to change your lifestyle, becoming more engaged in your community, and building and creating a vibrant vision. Co-creation establishes a new beginning by harnessing the power of joining two or more equals in spirit. So why ownership? How does this antonym taint our good intentions for helping? Well, there is a tendency in our society to derive our sense of value from helping. It's often how we are taught to prove we are a quote-unquote good person by how much we give help and support others. We enjoy being needed and feeling important to someone or something. It makes us feel worthy of receiving love validates us and gives us a sense of meaning in our lives. Women especially have been instilled with this notion. The notion that having others depend on you largely defines your value as a human being. It almost becomes this badge of honor that we wear to justify or prove ourselves to the world. But does this traditional approach towards helping sound like the foundation for a solutions-oriented mindset? or fostering a healthy dynamic? No. Their traditional approach sees the exchange largely as one-sided. It's not just up to the helper to give, give, and give some more. They will become deprived of self-care and healthy boundaries. This is a concoction for becoming overextended, burnt out, and stressed out. When we derive our sense of value from being able to help someone, from being needed, then we inherently depend on someone being in a helpless state in order to feel worthy and loved. Ooh, did you get that? It gets a little bit tricky there. We become dependent on someone being in a helpless state in order for us to feel worthy and loved. This creates within your own mind a deficiency mindset. Because you're seeking your value outside of yourself. And because the cornerstone of your intention, whether known or not, is the need for someone to be struggling. Which is strange, right? Like when you start to think about it, it's strange. It's strange that we're not coming from a place of self-love, of knowing that we already are love and that we are worthy, which also creates healthy boundaries. But does this mean you shouldn't help at all? Does this mean you can't feel good when you do help someone? No, of course not. But there is a foundational difference between helping because it's something that society tells you a good person does and helping because it feels good, because it feels natural and it feels right. The traditional disposition also somewhat unknowingly negates the person receiving the help as if they don't play a part in the outcome. Now, this isn't always the case, but this disposition is somewhat unknowingly woven into the fabric of how and why we help. We especially see this with caretakers, educators, healers, and even some heartfelt spiritual and religious missions. This perception, this notion of what it means to help, teaches us to see the exchange as one-sided not co-creative, which places the responsibility upon the helper, as if the success depends upon their ability to exert influence to change another. And that goes with a few assumptions, assuming for the better, assuming they know what's best for the other person, assuming the other person wants the help. And hopefully we are right about all of those assumptions. Otherwise, helping can become a habitual practice of impeding upon another forcing opinions, recommendations, way of living upon them as if they have no inner guidance of their own. That is not creating a shared vision, nor is it maintaining a solutions-oriented mindset. Notice the focus of that dynamic. The exchange is perceived as one-sided. The disposition doesn't even acknowledge the role of the person receiving the help, of the one you're creating with. There is a story Give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, feed him for life. But the thing is, the person teaching has to want to teach. And the person learning has to want to learn. If you don't have that dynamic, you won't successfully achieve the desired result. And if the person who teaches continuously goes around boasting about his contributions, stating, I have fed that man for life. I have fantastic teaching skills, I know my stuff, and now he does because I am awesome. (laughs) Doing that, now granted that's an exaggeration, but doing that completely takes the responsibility away from the student and from having to learn. You can give someone so much, but they have to take it, apply it, figure out the nuances that work for them. And if that's not the case, the exchange borders on futility. So anytime we're in a position of sustained help or a more robust form of helping, it's important to remember that it's never just the mighty teacher, healer, or helper. It's always mutual. It's co-creative. This also takes some of the pressure off the person helping. Now, you are no longer solely responsible for the success. The receiver also plays a part in this dance. And you have permission to bow out and walk away. It also gives us the freedom to say, this is no longer for me. I cannot save anyone. I cannot create for them or make them live a particular way. They will always have their beautiful ability to choose. Why do people turn down help anyway? Perhaps, in part, because they don't want to feel or be seen as helpless victims. Perhaps they are echoing an innate desire that we all have to be capable creators of our own lives. Perhaps accepting help hinges upon trust, and it's easier to trust when it's a partnership opposed to a dependency. So, how does this recognition of the mutual co creation shift the dynamic? How does it redefine the term, the concept of helping? The receiver becomes a dance partner. And receiving help doesn't mean they are helpless. Notice the mindset shift? And furthermore, it is okay to receive. How much more empowering and engaging is that? especially if you're the person receiving the help. That now the dance is toward a shared vision, a common goal. And the best way that we can help someone is the best way that we can lead someone, is the best way that we can heal someone. To see the potential, even when they don't see it clearly themselves. And hold the space for them to join in creating a shared vision. We start to realize that in order to truly help someone, it must be mutual a soul-nourishing dance between the both of you, it becomes co-creative. This dance has the potential to remind us of our shared humanity, remind us of a deeper connection, a oneness that unites us all. To truly help, we cannot own it. We share, we dance, we co-create together. Thank you for joining me today. If you found this podcast to be enjoyable, enriching, and aspiring, please feel free to subscribe, like, and share with your friends. And I hope that you will join me next time on Living All In, Rethinking Vitality.